Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Neil Garfield Show, a presentation sponsored by www.livinglies.wordpress.com, GTC Honors, and The Garfield Firm, serving all 50 states with news and analysis of the latest bank scams against borrowers, homeowners, consumers, and investors, and providing legal representation throughout Florida. This program is for general information only. It is not a solicitation for services or legal representation and should never be used as a substitute for advice from a licensed professional. And now, here's world-renowned financial expert, attorney, and blogger, Neil Garfield. Hello, this is Neil Garfield, and this is Thursday, April 23rd, 2015. Tonight is the anatomy of the enforcement of a notice of TILA rescission, and why it is necessary to do it, and what is the outcome of the successful enforcement of a TILA rescission. Congress says it's done when it's done. The Supreme Court says it's done when it's done. So why do you still need to enforce it? The simple answer is because, once again, the Wall Street banks are simply ignoring the law, and it is your job and your lawyer's job to hold their feet to them. I'm broadcasting live from a warm Boynton Beach, Florida, brought to you by the Living Lies blog, GTC Honors, Amandar, the Garfield Firm with offices in South Florida, and this show is specially brought to you because of donations to the Living Lies blog from listeners like you. Thank you. And for those of you who are not contributors, we ask that you call 954-495-9867 and pledge whatever you think you can afford. On the West Coast, you can dial 520-405-1688. We have had some rearrangement of personnel and equipment, and I apologize for any inconvenience that causes to anyone. Our mission is to share as much information as we can to help beleaguered homeowners and other people who may not be aware of the effect that the housing crisis has had on them. And one day, when I can finally put foreclosure behind us, I'm going to turn my attention to student loans, which were also securitized, and a whole bunch of other things, just like we saw with mortgages. We're accomplishing our mission here, I think, as more and more judges are seeing that the facts are not as they appear on the papers that are being used by banks, trustees, services, etc., to foreclose. So you didn't get the right disclosures at the closing of your loan? Cancel it. It's called rescission. Deal of rescission. And yes, you have the power to cancel the deal without the court order, without anybody's permission, without the agreement of a bank or a servicer or a trustee or anyone. Do you have the same power as a judge to declare your note and mortgage void? Yes. 
Do you have the same power as a judge to order your creditors to return all the money they ever got from you and all the money paid at the origination of your loan? Yes, with the possible exception of money that you paid in your monthly payments that was for taxes and insurance, uh, assuming those were applied to the payments of taxes and insurance. So how do you do it? With a letter. And lots of people, looks like hundreds of thousands of people have done so, but it didn't have any effect because judges got confused between common law decision and TILA decision. TILA is the truth in lending. The two are very different. One is a developed series of concepts in the common law, which means by judges on a case-by-case basis and appellate courts. The other is a specific statutory scheme that resembles precision as we learned it in law school, but is now nowhere near the same. The two are very different. Your letter giving notice of rescission has the same effect as a judge ordering the cancellation of the loan. When you drop that letter in the mailbox, you have canceled the loan contract. And at that point, the note and the mortgage have become void. And it can't be changed. By it, I mean the rescission. By operation of law, it has the same power as though your creditors had already appealed and lost, unless they filed a lawsuit in court contesting your cancellation of the loan. And they can't even do that unless they filed the rescission within 20 days from the notice, from the date of the notice of rescission. So, and there are arguments for saying they can't even file that lawsuit within 20 days, but I think that's wrong. So, I've received a lot of questions on this, and it is kind of hard to follow. But one thing that may be helpful for people who are trying to understand this, including the many lawyers that I've spoken to uh, just this week alone, is that the whole idea was to provide the borrower with the ability to cancel the old deal and then go get a new deal. Now, they can't get a new deal unless the old deal is canceled. And Congress did not want to let the banks stonewall things so that they effectively trapped a borrower into a deal that they didn't want to be in and that they shouldn't be in. So Congress passed this act enabling the borrower to completely cancel the deal and it has some punitive aspects because not only is the creditor or bank required to 
perform under the Truth in Lending Act, which means that they're supposed to return the canceled note, they're supposed to file a satisfaction of mortgage, and they're supposed to return every penny you ever paid or that was ever earned in connection with the origination or maintenance of your loan. So that's a pretty heavy hit against the banks. And the only period of time the banks can challenge it is within 20 days from the date of rescission. And the reason why that is true is that the Supreme Court has simply read the Truth in Lending Act and said that the Truth in Lending Act means what it says. And therefore, there is nothing contingent about a rescission that is declared under the Truth in Lending Act. So if you send a notice of rescission, it's done. It's by operation of law, which means it's the same thing as though a judge had ordered it, right, wrong, or indifferent. It doesn't make any difference. It's done. So if no lawsuit, if now I'll go into the questions that I've received, and I'll try to get to the caller's questions too. If no lawsuit is required to make rescission effective under TILA, then why do you need a lawsuit to enforce it? <clears throat> the answer is that in the enforcement action, you're seeking to force the bank to give you the canceled note, to force the bank to file a satisfaction of mortgage, or get an order from the court saying that the mortgage is void and allowing you to record the order, and to force the bank to return or disgorge all the money that was ever paid in connection with that loan. Why do you need to file the lawsuit? Because the banks are uniformly not cooperating with the law. In their minds, they are above this law, even though the highest court in the land has ruled in the Jesenowski case in January. In their mind, they're above this law, even though the highest legislature in the land has passed this law. In their minds, they are above the law, even though the highest executive officer in the land sign this into law. That would be the President of the United States. So what happens if it's against the law and they still violate it? Somebody's got to enforce it and while the arguments politically may vary and say that the Department of Justice should have done so, obviously there was some tacit agreement with the Bush administration and then with the Obama administration that they would not do anything to enforce the decisions, nor would they do anything about wrongful foreclosure. <clears throat> so it's up to who? It's up to the homeowner 
to hold the bank's feet to the fire. It's up to the homeowner to enforce the rights under rescission. So how do you enforce a seal of rescission after notice has been given? You enforce it by filing a lawsuit. And in that lawsuit, you're demanding just what is in the statute, nothing more, nothing less. You're saying, first, the loan is canceled. Second, more than 20 days has passed. Performance is due under the statute. The performance that is due is return of the canceled note, physically executing a satisfaction of mortgage or release and reconveyance in the case of the deed of trust, and actually returning all the money to the borrower. All that is what you are looking for in a lawsuit to enforce dealer rescission. What you are not looking to do and what some people have done creating more chaos is that they've asked the court to declare that the rescission is effective. That gives the court the impression that the that it's up to the court as to whether or not the rescission is effective. But the Truth in Lending Act and the Supreme Court says that the rescission is effective the moment it's dropped into the mail. It's done by operation of law. It cannot be undone except by operation of law, and it can't be contingent on anything because that would defeat the whole purpose of the rescission. And so, therefore, no lawsuit is required in order to rescind, and no tender of any money or property is required in order for rescission to be effective. So, how do you give notice? You give notice with a letter. I hereby cancel, rescind the above-referenced loan. And you probably should identify it by loan number, have a date on the letter, which will create the presumption of mailing. And usually there's a response back that says, you're not entitled to rescind. <clears throat> and that, in essence, is uh, an admission that they got it. So you don't have that problem. So what not to say when you're enforcing a rescission? Don't say that you're looking to have the court the rescission is effective. Don't bring in other things into your enforcement of the rescission. The enforcement of the rescission is for return of the canceled note because it is absolutely required. It's for the execution of a document that can be recorded that satisfies and releases the mortgage or deed of trust of record. And it's for the disgorgement of all monies that were received or paid in connection with that loan. When do you file a lawsuit to enforce deal of rescission? Presumably 
any time after the 20 days has expired, there is another provision in TILA which would uh, uh, potentially limit the enforcement of TILA rescission to one year. However, that's different than the effect of the rescission. So let's say, for example, that you were supposed to file enforcement action within one year. Well, you can no longer get an order from the court, if that's true, that requires them to turn over the canceled note or that requires them to file satisfaction of mortgage or that requires them to disgorge money. But it doesn't, the one year doesn't, have any effect on the rescission itself, which was effective by operation of law. That means that the note and mortgage are void. So if you file an action to quiet title after the one year, presumably you would be entitled to judgment. I see no other rational way of approaching it. Any other way would make the rescission contingent on some order of the court, which is the very opposite of what the Supreme Court said and what the Truth in Lending Act says. So, what are the banks required to do and who is the creditor? Well, this is going to be a big problem as, as this develops. There's more and more people who are issuing decisions and there are more and more issues about who exactly is the one that has to return the canceled note, who exactly is the person or party that has to file the satisfaction of mortgage, and who exactly is the creditor who owes all the money back to the borrower. <clears throat> is it one party? Is it many? We don't know. If the note and mortgage avoid, why do you need the canceled note? That's a question that has been asked a number of times. Well, the answer is that the purpose of the statute is to enable you to get a new loan and presumably pay off some creditor who's going to say, I'm the creditor, but they'd have to show proof that they are, in fact, a real creditor, and they can't use the note and mortgage anymore to prove that because the note and mortgage are void. So a new bank that wants to give you a loan is going to say, let's see the canceled note. And that's why Congress put it in there, that even though it's void by operation of law, by just the letter, as a matter of practice, they know that the new bank is going to ask to see the canceled note. Same thing with the satisfaction <clears throat> of mortgage. I've been talking all day. I, please excuse my lack of voice. Even though the mortgage is void, why do you need a satisfaction of mortgage? Because in the county records, you still see the mortgage sitting there. You need to have something in the chain of title in the recording office that shows that that mortgage is no longer an encumbrance against the property. 
why is the borrower entitled to recover all the money he ever paid on the alleged loan? Well, because if he's canceled the loan, then he canceled the whole loan contract, which means, and this is where the word rescission got applied to this, it means that they have to return everything they got from the borrower. But they changed the order of things. Under common law, the borrower would have to erect some kind of fraudulent claim, all that, and the borrower would have to tender something back to the party against whom he's seeking the rescission. That is the opposite of the way it is in Truth of Lending Act rescission. The TILA rescission requires them to perform all three functions before the first claim can be made against the borrower, and any claim made against the borrower is unsecured because there is no mortgage. So the borrower is entitled to return of the canceled note, the borrower is entitled to satisfaction of the mortgage, and the borrower is entitled to all the money back, and until then, nobody can make a claim for anything against the borrower. What if the loan contract was never completed? What if the originator was not the lender? Well, if you don't have a loan contract, which means it was never completed, then there's nothing to rescind. So the rescission would not actually be effective. Um, It's possible under those scenarios that the act of rescinding uh, would be used or try to be used as you conceding that there was a loan contract when there wasn't. Now, why wouldn't there be a loan contract? Because if the party on the note mortgage and disclosure statement identified as the lender did not lend the money, then there was no loan contract between the borrower and the so-called lender because the so-called lender is a pretender lender and never loaned any money. The fact that money got onto the closing table does not mean that the lender is entitled to claim any ownership of that unless they can prove that they were acting as the or agent uh, of the third party who did what is called a table-funded loan, which is predatory per se, And if it's predatory per se, then it is against public policy. And if it is against public policy, there's no way that the foreclosing party can show clean hands. And if there's no way for the foreclosing party to show clean hands, they shouldn't be allowed the equitable remedy of foreclosure. They should get a judgment. And in some states, the judgment against the borrower might conceivably be recordable and perhaps uh, an action brought on the enforcement of the judgment would result in something similar to foreclosure. But in order to do that, they'd have to actually show that they were accredited. They'd have to actually show that they lost money. And that's not something they can do because they were all playing with OPM, other people's money. And the, and the other people were the uh, pension funds and so forth who gave money to broker-dealers believing that that money 
was going into a REMIC trust to be used for the acquisition of loans when, in fact, the money was being used like a drunken sailor, just spreading it around and keeping a lot of the money for themselves without letting the investor know what was being done with their money, how it was being handled, how it was being accounted for. So when you owe money back to some creditor, who's the creditor? Well, if somebody presents the claim after rescission is done and you've got your enforcement and if they have complied and only after they have complied, somebody theoretically could come up and say, I am the creditor. Here's the proof of payment, the cancel check, the wire transfer receipt, whatever it is, and you owe me money because you got a loan from me and you canceled the loan deal, and you owe me money, and the Truth in Lending Act says that's exactly correct. So you would have to pay it, but it wouldn't be a secured claim. It would be more of a claim of unjust enrichment or some such claim that might be others. So for the question of who do you pay off for the last loan, you have to proceed very carefully and be as careful as banks are when they're giving a loan. So if somebody goes into a bank and asks for a loan, they're going to be asked for proof of their financial status, proof of where their money's coming from, and all that stuff. You turn it around and you use the same elements against them to say, okay, I'll pay you. Just show me that, you know, you've actually lost money here and how much money it is, and and that's what I owe you, unless it's discharged, could be, under the scenario of rescission. And as to the exact amount that you must pay to satisfy the last loan creditor, it would appear that that amount would be subject to a number of different uh, theories and that the, uh, uh, the amount of money if that creditor appears, which I doubt, uh, is pretty much unknown, uh, couldn't be any more than what you were reported to have received at the time of the loan closing, probably would be a lot less because most of the investors have been getting various types of payments, uh, servicer advances, and so forth, so they're Actual loss is reduced. We had one person uh, recently just ask if there are no service or advances, how come I keep getting statements when I'm not making any payments? And the statements show that the balance of my loan keeps going down each month. Obviously because payments were being made to the credit. So the the issues here are difficult 
in the sense that it sounds like hair splitting, but it isn't. The simple truth is that you can cancel the loan and you can clear titles. You can clear title on your property and you can get disgorgement of all the money that was ever paid. And you can enforce it. So check with your lawyers. Keep reading the blog. I'll be back with you next week with some new information. Thank you for joining. Thanks for listening to our broadcast. We hope that you tell your friends about us and let them know that there is hope and help in this financial crisis. Tune in every week to The Neil Garfield Show for free information and advice and visit our blog daily at The Living Lines Blog. We provide support services, the latest strategies, analysis, expert consultations, testimony and declarations to use in your battle against the largest economic crime in human history. For information concerning Neil, the team at Living Lies, or the law firm, go to www.livinglies.wordpress.com or call 520-405-1688. The opinions expressed on this broadcast are those of the host and should not be attributed to any other person or entity. Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.